Hi guys, it's Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to another episode of a Tap on the Wrist podcast. Yes, welcome. We're I don't what? I was say, I don't even know what number we're at. I've lost track of my days, my weeks, my podcast numbers. I want to say 29. Oh, that's a good number. Yeah, I want to say I, I did 28. Like I edited a 28 last week. Okay, 29. We're Watch here. me be completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's weird. We're recording this in the morning, which is very different from us. I'm like drinking coffee. Yeah, I don't think we've ever recorded this early in the day. No, I should have put like some whiskey in my coffee to make it feel right. <laughs> I haven't even had coffee, so <laughs> I literally rolled out of bed about seven minutes ago. So <laughs> <laughs> we're doing great here in yep. quarantine. Yep, this is the quarantine life. Speaking um, of which. People like to drink in quarantine, right, Laura? <laughs> they do. You are correct. Um, I found this article that says online drinking sales are up 243% during quarantine and corona, which feels right because yeah. people just need some kind of outlet. We can't go outside. Yep some kind of entertainment some kind of way to like let loose a little bit release yeah. a little stress so it makes sense it oh, says sorry go ahead the article says hard alcohols such as gin tequila and pre-mixed cocktails are at the top of the list and those spirits have seen an increase of 75 percent compared to this time last year wow Beer and wine are also up there, but it's hard liquor. That's what people are going for. <laughs> surprising. Not surprising to me. As I, I like that, especially like the pre-made cocktails. <laughs> people are like, I want something fancy, but I want to be a little bit lazy about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it um, says it's helped a lot of like smaller, like mom and pop shops who have now switched to delivering alcohol, but it's also really helped big apps like drizzly who were doing this kind of thing beforehand you know ordering online and delivering it to your house but people weren't utilizing it as much and now they're kind of relying on it to get their alcohol yeah because alcohol is essential (laughs) yes especially here in new york anyways they have deemed liquor stores essential businesses that can remain open which I find amazing. As soon as I heard that liquor stores were on the list of essential businesses, I was like, yes, they know what we need. <laughs> it's like you can go to the grocery store, you can go to the liquor store, and you can wash your clothes. And <laughs> I think those are our essential businesses that are open. They know. They know what we need. <laughs> we need food, we need booze, and clean clothes. Yes. Because we're wearing the same pajamas and t-shirts constantly. Yeah. <laughs> we need to wash them. <laughs> uh, I'm really, really excited for that first day that we can go outside and just, like, have a cocktail at a bar. I know. I keep watching, like, shows on Netflix and, you know, seeing people out at bars with their friends and things like that. And I'm like, aw, memories. <laughs> Back in the day when you could do that. Those were the days. I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of memes too about like people 
like laying out their outfits for the first day back <laughs> into the world, like the first day of school. It's going to is- be like a national holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, it's going to be great. One day, one day we'll be able to do bars of the week again because we'll be going to bars again. <laughs> I know. But today we are going to talk about some classic cocktails, right? We are classic. And the history of those really, really get into what this podcast was made for the history of alcohol. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about some of the stuff I found out about my classic cocktail. Yeah. And then there's a very weird tie in that I will share when we get there. So get excited for that as well. I can't wait to find out. I don't even know if I know what cocktail you're doing. I think you know what I'm doing. I texted you, but. Yes. Well, I, yeah. I mean, we discussed what I was doing and then I kind of flipped back and forth all week and I was going to change it. And then in the end, I ended up doing the cocktail that I had thought originally I was going to do. Okay. Well, then I do know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's let the listeners find out which cocktails we chose. So the classic cocktail that I have chosen to research and tell you all about today is the Manhattan. And according to the Cocktail Bible, which is the fine art of mixing drinks, it's a book that was published in 1948, but even today in 2020, it's still highly regarded as one of like the best how to craft a cocktail books that there is. There's a whole chapter. We should buy that and try cocktails from it. We should. Uh, but there, they have a whole chapter called like the six basic drinks. And these are like the drinks everyone should know. And those six basic drinks are the daiquiri, the Jack Rose, the Manhattan, the martini, the old fashioned and the sidecar. And I'm pretty sure both of our drinks today fall into those six essential drinks. You are correct. So we did good picking. We did good. (laughs) And to be honest, five of those I know, but I don't know what the Jack Rose is. I don't either. Actually, when you said that, I was like, huh, gotta look that up. Yeah, I definitely didn't look it up either. So I still (laughs) don't know what it is. But the Manhattan is a... I mean, it's a classic cocktail. You can walk into any bar, whether it's on the menu or not, and order a Manhattan. And if the bartender can't make it, you should leave that bar because (laughs) a Manhattan is just a basic cocktail that any bartender should be able to make at this point. I think if you've made it behind the bar, you should be able to make a Manhattan. But there are really two stories as to kind of where it originated from. And historians don't know if they believe either story but there's no like fact-based story on where the manhattan cocktail originated from so i'm going to tell you both stories i'm going to let you choose which one you want to believe in i was going to say can i choose at the end which one i think is correct absolutely Okay. okay so the most popular one the one that is often referred to in pop culture and everything is that the manhattan cocktail was made at the Manhattan Club in New York City in around like the 1870s. And the story goes that uh, there was a banquet being hosted then by a woman named Jenny Jerome 
and it was to honor the presidential candidate at the time, Samuel Tilden. And at this banquet that was being held for his presidential candidacy, uh, a man by the name of Dr. Ian Marshall was just kind of making drinks for all of the patrons at this party. And he concocted what is now known as the Manhattan. And it was so successful. And everyone who drank it that night later would come back to the Manhattan Club and just request that drink, calling it the Manhattan Cocktail because they had had it at the Manhattan Club. This sounds valid to me. It does. However, fact checkers have done some research and the woman that is named as being the person holding this party that the cocktail was said to have been invented at Jenny Jerome is better known as lady Randolph Churchill, who is the mother of Winston Churchill. And if you're going to say how is she related to Winston, yeah, you put the dates that they say this party happened here at the Manhattan club in Manhattan, New York, she would have been pregnant with Winston Churchill and like on, on the book, she was in France when she was pregnant with Winston Churchill. So like true historian discredited this story because factually she could have been hosting a banquet for Samuel Tilden at the time that this cocktail was invented. Maybe they just got the person wrong. But that's story number one. And that's often the one that people think of. Even the Manhattan Club claims it. They say, no, it was invented here at this luxurious, like, luxurious banquet that we hosted. So that's story number one. Okay. Story number two also takes place in Manhattan. Um, hence As one would expect. Hell yes. The second story, it also comes from Manhattan. As we assume. And uh, this is how it goes. It says... It comes from a man named William Mulhall, who was a bartender at the Hoffman House for over 30 years. And during that time, he kept journals and diaries of his experiences as a bartender. And so they found a mention that he wrote in in the 1880s. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, the Manhattan cocktail was invented by a man named Black, who kept a place 10 doors below Houston Street on Broadway in the 1860s. He also wrote in his journal that the Manhattan was probably the most famous drink in the world during that time. Hmm. And so that's really interesting because he claims it's invented in the 1860s and it was super popular and everyone was drinking it in New York and this bartender had created it. However, what was the year of the other one? It was the 19 something, right? No, the 1870s. Oh, making updates in my head. (laughs) But the problem is, is if this Mr. Black had created and made this drink so popular in the 1860s, it's not mentioned in any cocktail book or any newspaper article or any anything, even including the journals of this man until the 1880s. So like if this is the most popular drink and everyone's drinking it, how is no one referencing it for over 20 years? 
So a lot of people think that story was kind of made up as well. Yeah, that seems weird. So now they weren't calling it the Manhattan, but. Well, and that is part of the problem is the Manhattan has had many different names depending on bars that you go to. Um, And I'm going to get into what goes into a Manhattan in a second, but bartenders take a lot of liberties with the Manhattan. And so if you add or adjust like one cocktail element, you can, you know, come up with a whole new name. So it's been referred to as the turf club cocktail, the jockey club cocktail, the Tennessee cocktail, but really nowadays and for most of you know the the 20th century the manhattan cocktail is the manhattan and it has a pretty standard recipe so a standard manhattan is two parts rye one part sweet vermouth two dashes of bitters and then it's served with a cherry or a twist of lemon and that is a basic standard manhattan if you go into any bar and ask for it, that's what they should serve you. But right. over time, people have changed the recipe. So, for example, during Prohibition, when American rye was really difficult to get because it was not supposed to be made, many people switched out with Canadian whiskey. And so that became okay. a very common substitute in Manhattan cocktails. And then that opened the door to people putting in all kinds of whiskey or bourbon and sometimes even brandy in place of the rye to kind of change, you know, the, the, the flavor palette. So it's one of the most versatile cocktails and bartenders use it as a really great base to be more creative on cocktail menus. And right. I mean, from experience, you and I have walked into hundreds of bars and they have a version of a Manhattan, but there'll be something cool or unique or different. And I've probably ordered it everywhere we've gone because I love a Manhattan. Yeah. I feel like your go-tos to see like how a bar is are like either an old fashioned or a Manhattan. Definitely. Like if it's your test. Those are, that's my litmus test. If you can make a Manhattan (laughs) or a good old fashioned, I will return. One of the ways that bartenders, other than switching up the liquor that they choose to put in it, bartenders can use different bitters. They can choose to add um, fancier ingredients uh, and different versions. So I'm going to go over a couple of the more famous versions of the Manhattan that have happened over history. Okay. So a Rob Roy cocktail, which is also very popular, is basically a Manhattan but made with scotch and that but everything else is the same with the vermouth and the bitters Um, that would give you a Rob Roy cocktail okay another famous switch like if you went into a bar you could order a dry Manhattan which they then use instead of the sweet vermouth it's a dry vermouth and so it's obviously going to alter it's going to be a much drier Manhattan uh, (laughs) Hence the name Dry Vermouth. Yeah, Yeah, I tend to think that I definitely prefer it with Sweet Vermouth because if it's Dry Vermouth, it's like 
it's just a whole lot of liquor. There's, there's no other mixers in there, right? It's, it's vermouth and it's usually your rye and that's it. So I like the, the sweet vermouth to kind of balance it out and even it out. Right. But that's, that's me. (laughs) Um, Then in some places they might do a Cuban Manhattan. So instead of rye or whiskey, they make it with a dark rum. I was just going to say, I bet it's rum. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's also the Tijuana Manhattan, which is made with tequila. Weird. And so, so do, is it like rum and sweet vermouth or tequila and sweet vermouth? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's just lots of different variations of the Manhattan. It's a classic. It's really fun to play around with. And it's served in lots of different types of glasses. I know like certain drinks have certain glasses they're served in, but a Manhattan can be served in a martini glass. I would say most often it's served in like a low ball or even like a a coupe glass. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's usually served straight, sometimes on the rocks, and it's always stirred, never shaken. <laughs> so um, that's the basic Manhattan. However, when I was researching this, and it's actually what kind of drew me to choosing the history of the Manhattan, because I didn't know what I'm about to tell you is that there are cocktails for every borough of New York City. And the Manhattan has become the most famous. Right. But there is a Bronx cocktail and a Queens cocktail and a Brooklyn cocktail and a Staten Island cocktail. Are you going to tell me what all of them are? I am. We're going to do it a little bit quickly because there's not that much difference in them. Okay. So we're going to start with the Brooklyn cocktail. It is the most similar to the Manhattan and it also has rye. It does the dry vermouth instead of the sweet vermouth. And then they add the maraschino liqueur, which we have talked about before because that goes in the last word cocktail. So it's a little bit herby. A little bitter. I don't know if I'd like that one. Yeah, I don't know that this would be my favorite choice either and then it has something called Amer Pecone and so it's very similar to the Manhattan but the maraschino is definitely going to chase change the flavor of it and make it different but that's the Brooklyn okay um then we're going to talk about the Bronx cocktail so the Bronx is completely different it is gin vermouth and orange juice okay bronx yeah where i grew up and what i thought was so interesting about this when i was reading about it is that in 1934 this was the third most famous cocktail in the world really yeah so like the bronx cocktail was a thing for a very long time and it's just not very popular anymore I've never even heard of it. Me either. Literally, the only one I've heard of is the Manhattan. I haven't heard of any of the others. I know. Well, actually, you have, and I'm going to tell you why, but that's the thing I was talking about earlier, so I haven't gotten there yet. 
but um, people believe that it was made at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. That that's where the Bronx cocktail was invented. Weird, because that's and not in the Bronx. Yes, I know. <laughs> and then another fun fact about the Bronx cocktail is that the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous said that the first drink he ever had was a Bronx cocktail, and that's why he became an alcoholic. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he oh went God. on to found Alcoholics Anonymous, which helps millions of people overcome yeah. alcoholism. But he credits or blames the Bronx cocktail as being his like drink of choice. Interesting. Yes. Um, the Queen's cocktail is very similar to the Bronx. It also is a gin-based cocktail with vermouth, but instead of orange juice, it uses pineapple juice. Yum. And I am here for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it it's also comes out around the year 1930. So I guess post- you know, prohibition, there was a lot more experimentation with liquor when people could start to drink again. And that's probably Mm -hmm. where a lot of these cocktails originate from. Uh, And then the last one, and I thought this was funny, there's not technically a Staten Island cocktail, but people, people have added this fifth cocktail. It's called the Staten Island Ferry cocktail in so that that borough of new york city is included in these lists of the five borough cocktails okay and so the staten island ferry believe it or not is a cocktail i've had many times and i had no idea that this was the name of it but it is malibu rum and pineapple juice (laughs) (laughs) that was my jam when i was younger (laughs) so and Whoever dubbed Malibu and Pineapple the Staten Island Ferry, they say that they did that because it's like a satire of this island that is so not an island. And so this very tropical drink is ironic. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, man, I love Malibu and Pineapple. Right. When I was younger. Now it's like real sweet, but I know. I just thought it was a pineapple. <laughs> I had no idea it was called anything. Uh, and so <laughs> this comes to the part exactly. that I kind of talked about in the intro, like our tie-in. So during my research on the Manhattan, I found out that there is a cocktail bar in Midtown Manhattan that actually serves all five borough cocktails interesting yes and what's really interesting about it is that this is a bar that we have been to multiple times and have had many of the cocktails on the menu and had no idea what we were doing that they were you that we were drinking these manhattans you mean well like they have the manhattan and the brooklyn and the queens and we just thought they were like cute neighborhood themed drinks but they're like actual cocktails based on like the history of all of this and the five boroughs what bar the liberty really yes we've been there multiple times 
So, you know, um, actually, now that you say it, I do kind of remember like their drinks being associated with neighborhoods and thinking it was cute. Yeah, I'm going to go over some of their drinks. You can go in and they will serve you any of the classic five borough cocktails, but they've also modernized them and kind of um, made them fit that neighborhood a little bit more. So imagine they were like, no, you can't have the classic. <laughs> <laughs> For example, the Manhattan is called the Broadway Lights, and it's made with citron vodka, lemon juice, pomegranate grenadine, and pineapple juice. So it's very different from a classic Manhattan, but I was going to say just the use of vodka makes it like super different, right? Yes. However, that's their modernized version, but you can still get a classic Manhattan there as well. Um, their Brooklyn cocktail, I think, is kind of interesting. So they have a drink on the menu called the Billy Berg, and it is gin, black tea, lemon juice, simple syrup, and then Brooklyn lager, and it's served in a mug. So it's kind of like an ode to Brooklyn with the Brooklyn lager and served in a mug makes it a little hipstery. I was so, going to say this cocktail does sound kind of Brooklyn and hipstery. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but they also do serve a classic Brooklyn cocktail with the dry vermouth and maraschino. So whatever you're feeling that day, you can try. Um, for Queens, they have a cocktail called the Hey Ho. Which I've definitely had that one. Yes, and it sounds amazing. It's uh, vodka, St. Germain, spiced pomegranate syrup, lime juice, and it's served on the rocks. So, I mean. Delicious. It sounds delicious. (laughs) For the Bronx, they have um, an updated version called the South Bronx Fizz. um, And it's a... Pisco 100 lemon juice simple syrup and mint so very simple and um, like kind of classic mm-hmm. and then for Staten Island they've upped the game from Malibu and pineapple <laughs> but they do an island kind of cocktail and it has rum orange curacao pineapple juice grenadine and lime juice and what, what's that one called? Because I feel like I've had that one too. The Knickerbocker. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've also had that one. I'm, I think I've had the Hey Ho and the Knickerbocker. So I've done Queens and Staten Island. I need to go back to try the other one. Yeah, so um, that is what that bar chooses to do. And But you can get any of the classic versions as well. I used a couple different sources. Uh, the main source that I use was an article by Lauren Doucette on forkandplate.com. And the article was called Origin of the Manhattan Cocktail. And I also, believe it or not, used Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> it really, I didn't use it. I know. Episode, really. Wikipedia had the most concise history of the five borough cocktails in like one location. So... I used it this week. It is what it's it is. People source. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, 
Go ahead. I didn't say what theory I, I thought was right. Okay, go. Um, I think it's the first theory, maybe, where it was made at the Manhattan Club, but maybe, like, the facts and the people around it got, mis- like, you know, messed up somewhere along the line. Right. But really, I think it's probably neither. <laughs> in just a random bartender somewhere yeah that doesn't get any credit for this very classic drink they invented probably I mean how many bartenders are like making you know random drinks every day that might one day explode yeah. and who knows who knows where it came from right it's very true so Thank you to the random bartender who sometime in the 1870s or 80s created the Manhattan. We appreciate you. We do. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm really excited to hear what your story is. Okay. So as Laura alluded to, I am also going to be doing one of those six classic cocktails or basic drinks, whatever, whatever that section was called in that cocktail book. And the one that I'm talking about is the daiquiri. So when I say daiquiri, a lot of people are probably going to think of like a frozen strawberry daiquiri. That's like that red slushy sweet. That's exactly where my head went. Yep. But what I'm talking about is the original daiquiri cocktail. I'll get to the slushy version too. But basically what the original cocktail was, was a drink made with rum, lime, and sugar and shaken over ice, which honestly sounds delicious as well, even though I do love a good strawberry daiquiri once in a while. Rum, lime, and sugar? Yep. Yeah. I can get behind that. Sounds sounds refreshing. It does. So first, we're going to jump back to one of our earlier episodes when I talked about British sailors. If you recall or if you didn't listen, I'm, tell- I'm telling you now, at first sailors were given a gallon of beer a day and eventually that changed into a pint of rum. So in 1740, a man named Admiral Edward Old Grog Vernon, Old Grog being in quotes as a nickname. That was the, decided, that was the name of a bar when I was in college. Like the, the Old really? Grog. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it was named after this. Probably. So he decided that the rum ration or the daily tots should be mixed with water and lime juice to dilute the rum. And according to the alcohol professor, which is an amazing website, it's one of the earliest known instances of someone serving the base of what would become the doc, the daiquiri cocktail. Now let's jump over to the actual place of daiquiri origin Cuba in a small village or beach named any guesses? Daiquiri. Yep. <laughs> so Daiquiri is located 15 miles east of Santiago de Cuba. And like I said, we're in Cuba, but it's around the time of the Spanish American War in 1898, where Cuba was trying to seek independence from Spain and America decided to jump on in. That's what we do. <laughs> and near Daiquiri were a lot of iron mines. And the miners there were known to drink this mixture of lime, rum, sugar, and soda water. Some people say they don't know exactly where it came from. And some people say that it came about 
from a man named Jennings Cox, who was one of the many Americans who profited, profited it, profited it? Why can't I talk? <laughs> profited. Profited off Cuba after the war was over. So even if he isn't the one who originally invented the daiquiri, it seems like he's the person who was the first one to write it down. There's actually a signed cocktail recipe card from 1896 of his. Okay. Cox was an American engineer, and it's believed that he invented the daiquiri at a party. So apparently the party ran out of gin, and good old Cox was like, no worries, guys, I got this. And he decided he was going to buy, like, the easiest liquor to find, which at the time in Cuba was rum. And he threw together the daiquiri, which, like, I'm sure that this mixture had been done before. So I agree with the people who are just like, he's the first one who wrote it down. But here's the recipe that he wrote on the cocktail card via the alcohol professor. So it serves six people. It says six lemons, six teaspoons of sugar, six cups of Bacardi rum, two cups of mineral water, and crushed ice. You put all the ingredients into a bowl, mix it well, you add ice after the mixture is stirred, and then ladle it into cups and enjoy. Now, Interesting. Yeah, Eater.com notes that despite the card saying lemons, he likely used limes since lemons weren't really a thing in Cuba at the time. Limes definitely would have been what were more accessible. Right. So apparently he is also the one that named the daiquiri. Uh, and, you know, when he was asked what the name was, he was just like, daiquiri, that, you know, the town over there. Just <laughs> named after the town. And, uh, just a side note that apparently daiquiri is where the Americans first landed at the start of the Spanish-American War. So has some history there besides okay. named after it. I mean, so, it's just so funny because it's it's such a simple recipe. But like, yeah, like I don't think I've ever ordered a daiquiri and been served that. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I'm t- Even when I started doing this, I expected it to be like the strawberry daiquiri right. and when I when I started reading it I was like oh this is different but I mean again it sounds delicious yeah. so eater.com notes that like I said it's unlikely that he's the one that actually came up with the recipe because besides the talks that I mentioned earlier that were pretty similar there were also similar drinks that already existed in Cuba and the Caribbean. So, for example, El Draque, which was the predecessor to the mojito, was invented all the way back in the 1500s. And that was made with mint, lime, tree bark, rum, and cane sugar. So, like, had a lot of those same ingredients. And uh, it was apparently invented by Sir Francis Drake, but, like, since there were so many drinks that had similar ingredients, it's unlikely that he was the first person to ever come up with this combo. Right. Also, this is fun. The alcohol professor noted that bartenders in Cuba at the time had a little rhyme that kind of just the general recipe for the daiquiri. And it goes one sour, two sweet, three strong, four weak. And so <laughs> the sour is obviously the lime. Sugar is the sweet. 
strong is the alcohol and weak is the ice or the soda water. And I thought that was really cute. That is cute. So I thought you meant like the first one was sour, the second one was sweet, the third one was strong. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I thought that guy was going. Uh, I mean, that works too. (laughs) (laughs) So this drink, again, is popular in Cuba. An American is accredited with, you know, writing it down. And it doesn't make its way to America until several years later. So some people say that William A. Chandler, who sounds super rich, was <laughs> just that name, William A. Chandler. Uh, he was a U.S. congressman, and he purchased some iron mines in Cuba, tried the daiquiri while he was there, and brought it back to clubs in New York in 1902. But the drink doesn't seem to have truly made a name for itself in America until 1909. And that's credited to a U.S. naval officer named Admiral Lucius W. Johnson. Also sounds kind of rich. Lucius. I know. (laughs) Uh, He fell in love with the daiquiri after he visited Cuba. One source seemed to say that he was actually visiting Cox, but I didn't see that anywhere else. Either way, he brought it back to Washington, D.C.'s Army and Navy Club, as well as the University Club in Baltimore, and, like, officially introduced the drink to America. So now we're jumping back to Cuba. Okay. It to be refined throughout the country. So around 1913, Eater.com points out one bartender in particular named Emilio El Margato, that's in quotes, Gonzalez of the Havana Hotel Plaza and he changed things up a bit. Instead of shaking the drink and pouring it into a glass full of ice, he began pouring it into a coupe glass and using brown sugar instead of white sugar and that apparently gave the rum a real chance to shine and it didn't water down the drink by pouring it over more ice. Then, yeah, in the 1920s and 30s, Another bar in Havana called El Floridita, which was described as an American bar in one of the sources I read, had, and I feel like another story I told also had something that was like, it was an American bar, and I don't know what that means, but anyway, this this bartender's name, I'm going to mess it up, I'm sorry, it's Constantino Ribelukia Vert. <laughs> Sorry for that horrible pronunciation. He was known as the cocktail that, king of Cuba. That's a pretty bad pronunciation. <laughs> well, Constantino Vert is right. It's just the middle name or the first last okay. name that I can't pronounce. Anyway, he was the cocktail king of Cuba and he also apparently invented over 200 drinks so kudos to that guy sorry again for not being able to pronounce your name sir (laughs) uh and he decided here we go to add chipped or shaved ice to the daiquiri and introduce the blender into the equation hence oh we like this guy daiquiri so (laughs) he actually ended up creating four different variations of the daiquiri, including one 
that was for one of his bar regulars during during the time of prohibition in America. And it was a very famous author. Author Ernest Hemingway. Oh. So Hemingway apparently was a big fan of the daiquiri and he would often ask for to double the rum get it Hemingway and to get rid of the sugar because he was diabetic though I feel like still having rum and lime juice probably isn't super healthy but you know he, he tried yeah right so, apparently there's one story in particular about Hemingway drinking 15 frozen daiquiris in one sitting so he was definitely a huge fan and apparently Hemingway's version was put on the menu as the E. Hemingway special. So he like really left an impact. But the recipe was changed over time because like to help with the tartness since it was literally just lime and rum. Um, And the recreated drink was called the Papa Double or the Hemingway daiquiri, which once I heard that, I was like, I've definitely seen the Hemingway daiquiri on menus before. So it still had twice the amount of rum and the fresh lime juice, (laughs) but it added in some grapefruit juice and some maraschino liqueur, which we talked about in the last story too. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds delicious. So here's the recipe in case you want to make it. It's three ounces of white rum, one ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of grapefruit juice and a quarter ounce of the maraschino liqueur you have to chill a cocktail glass with ice or in the refrigerator then you pour all the ingredients into a cocktail shaker over ice and shake it then you strain the chilled cocktail into the glass sounds delicious i'm here for it it does sound delicious and i love when i'm at a bar and I get a like very chilled cocktail glass. I know. It's just, it keeps the cocktail so much colder for so much longer. And it just elevates, like, you know, that you're drinking from an establishment that like cares about its cocktails right. versus just like someone slinging drinks. Mm-hmm. Because when the glass is chilled, Oh, it just, it makes such a difference. It's my favorite. I agree. I really like it as well. So, quick note about another famous author that's associated with the daiquiri. Our friend F. Scott Fitzgerald was the first author. He comes up a lot. Huh? I said he comes up a lot in drinking stories. It does. I feel like he was very prevalent during like the time of prohibition. So, yeah. Uh, He was the first one to put the daiquiri into a book that book being the side of paradise which he wrote in 1920 so you know the daiquiri making its first its first appearance on the literary scene so after the blender was introduced to the equation it became possible to add any fruit puree into the drink not just lime juice so like strawberry for example and oh, yeah. in the 1940s and 50s, that frozen version rose to popularity in America due to American fascination with all things tropical at the time. So <laughs> as some of you may know, after Prohibition and World War II, whiskey wasn't around as much because of rationing and people turned to more easily accessible alcohols like rum. So it was kind of just the perfect time for this tropical frozen daiquiri to burst onto the scene. 
And the articles I mentioned uh, uh, that I read, not the articles, well, the articles I mentioned and read say <laughs> that it stayed that way for a while, the frozen daiquiris being popular. And that in the 1990s, the original daiquiri made a comeback because apparently craft cocktails started to come back in style. But I feel like I missed that wave because I still was thinking of daiquiris as frozen Um, and feel like I don't really see like just a daiquiri cocktail on the menu anywhere. Like I said, I feel like I've definitely seen Hemingway daiquiri, but never really knew what that was. Yeah, I think that would be like a fun test to go to a bar and just be like, can I get a daiquiri? <laughs> yeah, and see what they give you. Or if they're like, you yeah. don't have those. Yeah. Test, your, test to see if they're a really good bartender that way. That's our new test. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know if maybe in the 90s it was popular, but I, I don't know. I don't feel like it had a comeback yet. We should make it have a comeback. We should. So while you're in quarantine, I feel like a daiquiri is going to be an easy drink to make. So I gave you, you know, Cox's original recipe and the Hemingway daiquiri recipe. But this is a recipe for just a standard modern day daiquiri that you can easily make at home. So you need I'm ready. two teaspoons of organic cane sugar. Or really any sugar, I feel like. <laughs> Three-fourth ounce okay. of fresh lime juice. And two ounces of white Cuban or Cuban-style rum. So all you need is sugar, lime, and rum. You got this. So you add... I mean, it's so simple. You add the sugar and lime to the cocktail shaker. Stir it to dissolve the sugar. Then you add the rum. Fill the shaker with ice. Shake it all up and strain it into a cocktail coupe. And that recipe was on eater.com via Jeff Beachbum Berry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the alcohol professor used an ounce of simple syrup instead of sugar and 1.5 ounces of rum. And they also said that you could sub one ounce of lime juice for the three-fourth, li- sorry, one ounce of lemon juice for the three-fourths of lime juice if you don't have lime juice, so... You know, you can change it up, make it easier to what you have. If you have lemon juice instead of lime juice, you still make one. Yeah. I love it. And then if you have mint, you can just go from daiquiris to mojitos. Yeah. Easy. So easy. So like like you said about the Manhattan, there are different variations of the daiquiri. Besides, of course, the Hemingway and the frozen daiquiri, which I've already mentioned. Uh, another one by our friend Vert called La Floridita Daiquiri Number 2 adds dashes of Carico. Why can I never say it? Carico? Curacao. Adds two dashes of Curacao and orange juice. And then there's Tropical and Lovely. Then you have Mm -hmm. Don's Special Daiquiri. I don't know who Don is. (laughs) But it's sweetened with passion fruit syrup and honey instead of sugar. Also sounds delish. Oh, I'm into that one. I love passion fruit. I know. And then there's the nuclear daiquiri, which has green chartreuse, overproof rum, and falernum in place of sugar. So 
I'm sure there are many other variations that can be found on the Google, but those are, <laughs> those are some of the more popular ones. Yeah, that's fun. I know. I love people can take something and just get like super creative. I do too. Because I really love it. I love drinking like a really fun, unique craft cocktail. Right. But my brain doesn't work that way to create them myself at home. Like you have to tell me what to do and then I can replicate right. it. But I feel like the, the, the daiquiri itself, like just lime sugar and rum, like there's so many variations you could probably make on that. Right. Like there's such base ingredients that I feel like it's, it would right. be an easy one to like manipulate into different, different versions. A hundred percent. So my two main sources I've mentioned kind of throughout the article were the alcohol professor, an article called classic cocktails and history, the daiquiri by Brian Petro eater.com cocktails. One Oh one, the daiquiri by Caroline Fabia. And I also perused an article on gonola.com called history of the daiquiri by emily ramirez hernandez and like i said i really didn't use wikipedia this time i looked at it after i had already written this all out just to see if there were any other fun facts um the only thing that i saw that was different from what i'd read was that jfk was apparently a daiquiri fan so yeah Mm. anyway well i just found i i googled it um, and on BBC America, they describe what, like, an American bar is in reference oh, thank to. You. <laughs> it's it's in comparison to like a British pub. So like American bars tend to be for adults only and for like evening time drinking. It's so like a cocktail. And is what they're describing. No, there. It's more like sports oh. bar, right? They also like lots of TVs and like an adult only atmosphere versus like a British pub, which is someplace that like people might come and gather like families are welcome in British pubs. And like, there's a lot more like I'm going to sit and eat and like kind of hang out the way we might go to like a coffee shop or cafe and kind of sit for hours um, and so, like, that's what they mean when places say it was like an American style bar. It's really like a place for kind of just drinking versus like right a British style pub, which would be more for like gathering. Right, that makes sense. Thank you for looking that up because I to the rest of the I world. definitely looked at it and was like, "What does that mean?" And then just didn't look it up. So. <laughs> um but yeah that's that's the history of the daiquiri while we paused between recording my story and the outro i asked one of my parents how to pronounce this guy's name because i was embarrassed Uh, (laughs) it's constantino ribaligua vert is what they think is his last name ribaligua sorry sir you did many cocktails (laughs) wonderful i'm sure anyway now, now we're to the end to our, uh, what do we call this segment now? Because it's not really bar of the week anymore. I think this should be um, coping in quarantine cocktail section. Okay, I like it. <laughs> we need to work on the name. But... 
quarantine cocktail section. I don't know. <laughs> it's too early. It's not even that early anymore. I just can't think. Yeah. We'll, we'll come but, up with something for next week. Yes. <laughs> and the week after and the week after. Um, <laughs> but I, I did something this week. And in reality, I'm going to do it today, but I've been meaning to put it together all week and I bought it pre-quarantine. And then, you know, as excuses go, life gets busy and you kind of forget about it. And it sat on my bar cart for months. And then right now is the perfect time to do this project. So I bought this at Target and it is called the Bourbon Grow Kit, the Tipsy Gardener. And it's this cute little box. And inside the box is all of the things you need to grow, um, like, fresh herbs to then put into your cocktails when you're making them at home. And so I think that right now while I'm home and I can attempt to water and care for these plants, um, it's a perfect time to do that. And so I opened the box and... It's super, super cute. This one, this bourbon grow kit, I actually bought two of them. So I'm going to do the bourbon one first, but I have another one that I think is, um, I want to say it's for mojitos specifically, but I can't remember. But the bourbon grow kit comes with three small little pots and it comes with the little, um, they call it like the growing material pod. So it's some kind of soil food pod. Mm-hmm. And and then it comes with seeds. And the three herbs that I'm going to be growing are some thyme, mm-hmm. some rosemary, and some mint. Yeah. And so you kind of set it all up, which I'm going to do later today. And then I'll take a picture for everyone and we'll put it online. Yeah. But you grow it, you put it in your windowsill, you watch them grow. And then when they're done, you can just like add them to cocktails. And they even give you really great cocktail recipe cards for each herb. So for time, they have um, instructions to make an herb infused bourbon apple cider with the time. That sounds delicious. And you use it to create like a honey time simple syrup so they have like both recipes for that and then the rosemary there's a recipe to make an earl gray blackberry bourbon smash with fresh rosemary damn that sounds delicious too and then for mint they give uh the recipe for a kentucky mint julep which is amazing it's one of my favorites and i even have the copper mugs so I don't know how long these are going to take to grow, but I will keep you updated on my, my green thumb growing skills. Yeah. And how those cocktails come out. Yes. The Earl Grey one in particular sounds really good to me. I know. Well, anything with Blackberry is my jam. Yeah. Mm. Excited to see how those turn out. So if you want to see the picture that Laura is going to take later today, or pictures from our episode in general, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. And that would be at a tap on the wrist. 
Yes. And then if you have suggestions for how you're coping with quarantine, what ways you are keeping yourself sane in terms of like drinking or trying maybe new hobbies that will help your drinking, like my gardening skills, uh, send us an email and let us know if you have ideas for future episodes. Also send us an email. Our Gmail is a tap or it's tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com. So we are taking any and all suggestions. Yeah. And we get really excited when we see an email. So just email us anything. Hey, you can just say hi. Too. <laughs> Laura will very excitedly text me that we got an email. So yeah. <laughs> I will. That's not an exaggeration at all. <laughs> well, guys, I hope that you are, you know, staying healthy and mentally healthy as well in quarantine and staying connected to people, listening to all of our episodes. We're almost at 30. I double-checked. This is episode 29. Next week will be 30. It's That's really amazing and super exciting. And we would love it if you could share our podcast with yes. someone that is maybe finding that they're over their Netflix account. Yeah. Maybe they can, maybe they can listen to a podcast episode or two and become a new friend Mm -hmm. of ours. That would be wonderful. So thank you guys for listening. Have a good week. Rate, review, and subscribe if you have Apple Podcasts. Do all of those things. (laughs) And uh, stay stay sane out there. Yes. Cheers. Cheers.